Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I'm just going 805 uh, Central African time. Uh, let's welcome a person to uh, the medical files uh, this evening. He's, I'm Shafat Ahmad Khan, your host uh, with uh, Lukalo on board. And Alhamdulillah, a program uh, that I'm already looking forward to. And uh, this evening, uh, we welcome uh, our pediatrician, uh, Dr. Ridwan Umar, after many, many moons. And, you know, it was uh, his father's partner, Yakub. Uh, Vauda that, uh, you know, sent me something. He sent me a, uh, a, you know, a, what you call this, a TikTok feed. And there he was, this beautiful, lovely doctor playing with a, a, a baby, you know, and talking to her. And this was, you know, I don't know how many months old, but it was a baby, really a baby. And he spoke so sweetly to the baby. And suddenly he said, you're a clever little girl and this and that. And the baby, he said, you're a strong baby. And the baby actually jumped up and turned. And, you know, it was amazing. And I thought, a lot of thoughts went through my mind. I said, you know what? Yesteryear, we were, you know, we were babies. I don't think we did things like that. And then it came to my mind. I said, you know what? Dr. Ridwan Umar definitely has to come on. And my topic and the topic that I thought of was babies of today. Are they eager beavers? So, alhamdulillah, let's welcome our Dr. Ridwan Umar with a hearty Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, uh, doctor? And perhaps a little about uh, how was your journey to the Holy Land and how you enjoyed it. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. I begin by praising Almighty Allah and I send abundant salam on our beloved Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi Yeah, brother Shafat, I think the test of true love is when you stand in front of the Baytullah, in front of the Kaaba Sharif, and, uh, you know, when you are gazing at the beautiful house of Allah, and when you feel so close to Allah and Allah Ta'ala puts a particular person in your mind or in your heart and you think of them and you make dua for them, then it has to be a very special bond. And, you know, while I was making tawaf of the Kaaba, Allah Ta'ala accept, I'm not, I'm not bragging about this. I'm just merely relating it because you mentioned it. <clears throat> but while I was making tawaf of the Kaaba, you know, you came into my heart and into my mind and, you know, I made dua for you. And that's when I... When I when I felt that you know this is this is the love that the brother will have for his brother that Allah Taala put put you in 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 my heart and in my mind at that time and I prayed for you and your family and the Almighty Allah accept Alhamdulillah it was a great blessing to be there in the month of Ramadan you know that is the best time of the year and that is the best place in the world so you know it is always a great blessing <clears throat> to be there and. Dua to Almighty Allah also. Pray that Allah accept our duas and Allah accept our worship and that Allah Ta'ala take all of us to his beautiful house, the Baytullah al-Haram, many, many times over and over again. And each and every Muslim must be given that opportunity to experience that great place. Now, I tell you, Doctor, I'm going to add something. And there's something, you know, whenever you have... Uh, you know, when I invite you to the show and something you write so beautifully, you say, Allah, 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 Allah. And you know, whenever I make my zikr and I'm, I've got this habit of getting up early in the morning and, uh, you know, that's about maybe three or uh, two, half past two. When I get into my zikr mode and when I come to my lines, Allah, 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 guess who comes right in front of me? It's your Allah. face. So Allah. every time I'm making that zikr. <laughs> Hey, you got to share that, Doc. But Alhamdulillah, this is just, uh, you know, uh, I think a uh, divine decree made us share this so that uh, perhaps we could inspire others to love each other for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, let's talk about life. Life begins, you know, with uh, 
you know, with, with a, a despicable fluid, the Quran calls it. And that despicable fluid, the insan is created. And, you know, what is an insan if you really have to describe an insan? But, you know, a baby, a baby that is born is, uh, you know, so special to parents. And each parent feels that their child is the best child on earth. But Alhamdulillah, you have a knack of making each child feel so special that even a baby, a newborn baby, uh, one or two, three months old, reacts to you in such a manner that, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, some will say, no, no, he's got the gift of the gab. But you have something special that you bond uh, with uh, this child. And talk about uh, this baby specifically, how she reacted to you. And, uh, you know, what were the circumstances around that, uh, doctor? Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. I can only praise Almighty Allah. And I thank Him for blessing me with the opportunity of making khidmat of His creation, of being of service to His creation. I mean, the children that we have uh, are a blessing from Almighty Allah. And, and it, is a, it is a great privilege that Allah has bestowed upon me. And I thank Him and I glorify Him and I praise Him that He chose me to be amongst those people to, to serve His creation and His banda especially the children and the little babies. So the video that you saw was, was a video that, that, was, that was made by the mother while I was well, examining her baby. And I wasn't aware that she was videoing it. So, uh, you know, I usually like to play with the little babies before I, 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 I do anything on them. That baby had come for her vaccine. So this little baby was actually a twin. Um, so there's two of them. And they were born prematurely at around 28 weeks, which is what we define as extreme immaturity or micro-premature babies, very, very small. And for those listeners out there that have had the experience of having a premature baby, they will understand what a difficult test it is to, to have a baby that is so small, that is so delicate, that is so fragile, and all the complications that can arise out of uh, being premature, these these twins, you know, had a very stormy course. They stayed for almost two and a half months in an intensive care unit. They were ventilated for a very very long time. Both the baby in the video and the other sister as well. They were they are two little sisters. They're now about seven or eight months old. Like I said, they spent about two and a half months in in the neonatal intensive care unit. Most of the time was on a on a ventilator or a life support machine. And apart from all the complications that premature babies commonly go through, the one big problem that, that this baby had was, was a condition called apnea. <clears throat> and in simple English, apnea means the baby stops breathing. So many times during the day, this little baby would stop breathing. And she would become totally blue. She would become limp. She would become floppy. Her heart rate would just drop. Her oxygen levels would drop. And she would basically become lifeless, you know. And um, it was a great challenge to treat her and to manage her because, you know, there's only so much you can do. And, you know, in terms of medication and in terms of drugs that we use to try and stimulate these, these little lungs to keep breathing because it's so important that these babies breathe to survive. And eventually, you know, when that had failed, we had to put this baby on a ventilator to keep her breathing and, 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 and to keep her alive. And, you know, you just pray all the time and you have to tell the parents as well, you know, we've done everything. Now all you have to do is pray. And Alhamdulillah, 
you know, Almighty Allah accepts our du'as because He is the most accepting. And these babies eventually both recovered very well. And like you saw in the video that the mom posted, they, they, they both, both little sisters are around nine months old now. They're doing really well. They're thriving. They're growing well. And also, you know, one of the complications of apnea is it affects the development of the brain. It affects the growth of the brain. And it causes or it can cause a lot of neurological impairment or disability. But alhamdulillah, you know, these babies have done so miraculously well that despite all those episodes of apnea or, or period where there was no oxygen going to the brain, they're such clever little babies. So that was why I was emphasizing to this little baby that you're such a clever little girl and you're a little champion and you're a superstar because, you know, this, knowing the history and the background of this little baby, what she's been through and how much of oxygen deprivation her brain and all the other organs suffered as a result of repeated and prolonged episodes of oxygen deprivation, it shows, you know, that as doctors we can do, but it is only Allah that does. And, you know, if Allah wants to give somebody complete shifa, then Allah can do it. So, like I always tell the parents, you know, whenever we're dealing with a sick baby, that we should we should always first ask Almighty Allah for shifa and you know make dua all the time, give sadaqat all the time, and uh, you know Allah for as long as we have Allah and I, I tell this even to the non-Muslim patients, you know, for as long as we have an Allah, we have a God, then we have hope. No matter how dire the situation might be, no matter how difficult the circumstances might be, and no matter how hopeless everything might appear on surface. For as long as we have Allah, we can always turn to Him and we can ask Him. And, you know, these are the little miracles that I see all the time. And I see it on a daily basis. And it keeps reminding me and it should remind all of us of Allah's greatness, that, you know, and Allah's power, that Allah can do whatever He wants. So even our listeners out there, look, we all get tested in different ways. Nobody's life is perfect. Nobody's life is easy. Everybody's tested in different ways. Allah tests us sometimes with our parents, sometimes with our spouse sometimes with our children. <clears throat> I see it from the children's point of view because, <clears throat> you know, dealing with children all the time. So I see parents getting tested with their children. But I, I, I think it's very important for the parents to know that there is always hope and these children can do miraculously well with prayer, with faith, with hope, and with a little bit of medicine, you know. And things can really go well. In fact, while we're on this point, Brother Shafat, my sister-in-law, Tasneem, I think you know her quite well. Very well, I, yeah. I, I, I was with her about uh, about a half an hour ago. We just admitted her little child into intensive care unit. She's quite sick. <laughs> mm. And uh, so I told her, you know, I've got to rush now. I've got a, a show with Brother Shafat. And uh, she said, please tell Brother Shafat to make special dua for my little Iman, who is Amen. sick and who is in ICU. So I said, no, I will definitely tell, tell Brother Shafat uh, when I talk to him on the radio and all our listeners as well. But, Amen. yeah, like I said, so Allah Ta'ala tests parents. So, yeah, I have my sister-in-law whose be, little child has just been admitted to intensive care unit. She's she's quite sick. But there's always hope, you know. And that, that video is is, is one of the, the ways of, of, of giving hope and inspiring hope to people that, you know, despite the, the situation we might be in, things things work out for the better and, and, and we should never give up. No, well said there, and alhamdulillah, you know, special du'as are 
for you know the seems a baby girl i mean she spoke uh, i mean she'd been challenged from the day she was born and you know so much of uh, uh, trials and tribulation the family went through i'm sure you were very involved in that too doctor but uh, you know allah make it easy for them and inshallah you know as you say miracles do happen and jazakallah uh, for sharing such a powerful story with us uh, this evening and you know really uh, you have touched many many listeners there and I also recall you know soli mohammadi also a pediatrician whom i knew very well i mean maybe been a year or two and he passed on you know during the covid time and uh, you know perhaps are uh, you carrying on uh, with the family tradition here doctor alhamdulillah marhum dr soli mohammadi was a legend in my opinion i i i i always looked up to him when i was growing up and when i was becoming a pediatrician also as to look up to him and uh, you know i still see some of his patients and it's it's amazing you know how he he touched hearts of of so many people you know um, obviously after he passed away his patients and obviously the parents needed to find uh, another pediatrician so you know they they scrambled around and some of them came to me some went to other pediatricians and what i used to find very very touching is the love that his patients had for him you know some of the mothers when they came to me for the first time and they said you know we are dr dr mohammadi's patients they actually had tears in their eyes you know which was testimony of the love that they had for him as their children's doctor and that would then you know uh, be evidence of the of the love he showed to the children and the care and the compassion which is what life is all about you know it's all about caring showing compassion and helping each other because we all need each other and we all we all we all need to help one another there's nobody that 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 totally you know able to do everything by themselves we all need one another uh, you know no matter whether you are a doctor or a lawyer or whether you are a teacher or whatever you are we all need each other we all play an important role and i think the message from this whole experience is that we should we should always be there to help each other wherever we can and in whatever way we can and there's always some way we can help one another out and we should we should look out for that so yeah dr mohammadi was most certainly a legend that up to this day i still get his patients coming and 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 and, and talking so highly of him may allah taala have mercy on him and forgive him and forgive all our marhumin amen I mean, I mean, another legend you talk about, Doctor M. M. Jadwood, and uh, you know, very close family friend. My dad and him were, you know, actually uh, uh, best of buddies and so forth. And uh, you know, I'm I, I talking about uh, Sali Muhammadi, uh, Marhum. Uh, his father loved me a lot, and uh, Mr. Muhammadi, you know, used to be, uh, uh, you know, he passed in America. And I remember the last chat we had was that it's a Pingo Beach mosque under this tree, and he said, Shafat, you know, if you need any help, you must go and talk to so and so. A still a young man. and you know not in broadcasting then but he, you know he said i said but why are you leaving us why are you going to america and you know when you went to america he passed away there you remember that uh, doctor Rigo? correct i was a, i was a, i was a little boy at that time but i do remember i uh, i remember uh, him going to america and then i remember he had a stroke there and he got very sick while he was on holiday with marhum sali mohammadi's late mother may allah have mercy on her also she was mm-hmm. also a wonderful woman i'm sure you you remember her Yeah. yeah, so yeah, he had a stroke while he was in in San Francisco on holiday, and uh, his time was up, and he passed away there. Yeah, you're not sharing a lot of family story, but Alhamdulillah, you know, adding value to uh, medical files. In the meantime, uh, questions are coming through. Uh, Alhamdulillah, people enjoying the program. And uh, this one says, "Assalamu alaikum, Shafaat. 
we look forward uh, when Dr. Ridwan Umar comes on Marcus Sahaba. Uh, what I see is that baby is doing now, today at three months, what they previously did at one month. How can we account for this? Is uh, mankind really advancing or is it in uh, what mothers eat and uh, what prenatal care uh, medication they take? By uh, This comes from Jazakallah Shamim Arbi. You know, th- this is what I wanted to ask you about this. Are the uh, kids of today, you know, uh, you know, we, we, we know those are the computers from uh, 286, 386, we've gone to Pentium 1, 2, 3, 4. I think we have uh, dual core, core, I don't know what core, core, core. But, uh, you know, the computers are getting faster. Life is getting faster. Uh, anything that is slow, you know, we just uh, we become impatient. But you're watching children of today. Are they being affected by what's around them and what's really happening in this dunya, doctor? Waalaikum salam to the listener and Jazakallah khair for the question. Yes, most certainly the children of today are different to the children of yesterday. And the children that we see today are even different to the children we were in our days. Um, both in a positive way and in a negative way. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of advantages to 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 the to the advances we've made in terms of medical science, but it has some drawbacks. Um, but I think we'll touch on the advantages first. The the most important thing with regards to children is our understanding has improved of children. So the psychology of of, of, of children, of neonates, of newborns, what their emotional needs are, what their psychological needs are, what their physical needs are. Our whole understanding has improved. So, you know, how, how babies were brought up 100 years ago, or 50, I'm not talking about from a point of view, I'm saying in general, you know, at home, is very different to how we do it now because our understanding has improved so much. And it starts with maternal nutrition. You know, the mother starts taking care of herself uh, from the time she decides she wants to she wants to have a baby. You know, she makes sure she gets uh, the proper nutrition. She makes sure she takes the, the necessary supplements. Um, as soon as she finds out that she's pregnant, she would go to a doctor. She would make sure she gets adequate and excellent antenatal care, which is so important to ensure her good health during the pregnancy. And that that pregnancy will end with a with the delivery of a healthy baby. So that baby is nurtured in an environment that is conducive to producing a very healthy outcome, and that's very very important. So you know, in the old days, people didn't have access to healthcare. People didn't have enough education to understand the importance of of getting a simple thing like your blood pressure checked in pregnancy because. You know, pregnancy-induced hypertension is such a common complication and it can have such catastrophic consequences, you know. So it, so that is why, you know, maternal uh, mortality has, 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 has improved and oh, mothers don't die as much as they used to. I mean, I'm sure if you ask the older people, they will tell you, you know, they know of people who died during childbirth or soon after childbirth. Now we hardly hear of those things because of advances in medical science and because of advances in people's level of education, you know, and because of people understanding what is required in terms of taking care of yourself from a nutritional point of view and a medical point of view. The same when it comes to babies, you know, the way we stimulate them, the way we play with them, the way we hold them, the way we handle them, all those things have an impact on on the on the neurodevelopment. So yeah, definitely 
our kids of today are much sharper because of of the environment that created for them from before they are born. But at the same token, like one brother Shafat, you and I had that, had the chat, you know, about the impact of technology and technological advances. There's also drawbacks mm. to all these these you know devices and access to the internet and all those kind of things. You see, you need to be aware of and just be a little careful. But I think overall, you know, life has improved not only for the parents but also for the children in terms of. Um, how we how we bring our children up, how we stimulate them, the attention we give them, and also in terms of picking up problems earlier, we we we're able to diagnose problems much earlier. In terms of rehabilitation and therapy, you know whether they need an occupational therapist or a speech therapist to 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 work with them early on so that we get good outcomes. So the impact of all of this, even educators for that matter, teachers nowadays, you know they pick up problems even. Minor problems, they they they're able to pick it up very quickly because they pay attention to these little things, and then they would bring it to the to the parents' attention, who would then come to a doctor, and you know we're able to to diagnose where the minor defects or deficiencies might be, and you know anything that's picked up early and corrected early, the outcomes are much better. No, absolutely, as you said, the anything that is picked up earlier. And the outcomes are much better as the screens are lighting up here this evening with Dr. Rivan Umar, our pediatrician in consultation. Uh, this question he says, Assalamu alaikum to all at Marcus uh, Sahaba. Wa alaikum salam. We uh, commend uh, medical programs on the Marcus channel. My whole family gets happy when uh, Dr. Rivan Umar is on. We see videos uh, now of newborn babies just delivered and they look so rare and serious. Can uh, stress in the womb be a factor? Uh, this comes from Imran Suleiman, uh, Doctor. Alaikum salam wa rahmatullah, brother Imran Suleiman. Jazakallah khair for your comment and for your question. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's important to know that when a baby is born, the first hour, we, we often refer to it as the golden hour. And it's natural for babies to be very alert and very awake in the first hour of life. So it's not actually a stress response. It's a natural response for the baby when it adapts to life from the womb to life in the world to be very alert, very awake, um, and, and actually quite active during that time. And those of us that actually witness this and see what happens to them after that, after that first hour, they actually fall off to sleep. And then they go into a very deep sleep. And then for the next 24 hours, they're very sleepy, and then they just wake up for their feeds occasionally. And then usually by day three, these babies then become much more vocal, much more active, much more hungry. And that is why we place a lot of emphasis on that first hour of life when it comes to bonding with the mother. And I always tell the mothers, when your baby is born, that first hour is the golden hour. That's the hour that you need to hold your baby, hug your baby, and that's the moment that you need to latch your baby onto the breast to get successful breastfeeding. Very important opportunity. It's the golden moment to bond emotionally, physically, psychologically, and to get the breastfeeding going because that's when your baby is most alert and most awake. So it's actually not a stress response. It's actually a good thing when the baby is, is like hyper alert in the first hour of life. Alhamdulillah, brilliant indeed, uh, Doctor. As you said, the bonding of the mother and the child, the mother and child reunion, 
is only a motion away. Uh, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Looking forward to tonight's medical files with Dr. Umar. Is it possible for mothers to stimulate advanced mental and physical growth from within the womb? Jazakallah so much, Fiona Yusuf. These are powerful questions coming through this evening, Doctor. Allah, but I agree with you. Guys are really testing me to the limits here, alhamdulillah. <laughs> yeah, there is ways of, 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 of stimulating the baby, but I, I, I would, I mean, the, my answer is, is, is short and simple with regard to, to ensuring optimal fetal growth, which is basically, in simple English, making sure the baby in the womb grows well. In terms of stimulating, you know, for me, the, the most important thing is, is to maintain the mother's health. That is the most important thing. Uh, because nature has its own way of nurturing and looking after that baby and providing for all the baby's needs that the baby For example, the baby's nutrition is taken care of through the placenta. The, the baby's oxygenation is also taken care of through the placenta. The baby's, uh, you know, motor, motor skills and motor stimulation comes in that environment where Allah has created the womb and it's filled it with water. So this baby can move freely and those are the kicks that the mother feels. You know? So everything is there. There's no, there's no reason for us to actually start doing anything particularly to, to, to overstimulate this baby or to upset, I think, nature's balance there, except that we should make sure that this mother is healthy. So the reason why I mentioned the placenta is because the placenta is a very critical organ to support the life of that growing baby and to provide almost all the needs of the baby. And the health of the placenta depends on the health of the mother. So if the mother is healthy, then the placenta will be healthy and then all the baby's requirements will be met. So things that can affect the placenta is maternal malnutrition. If the mother is malnourished, that placenta is not going to develop into a healthy placenta. If the mother is anemic, then it's going to affect the, the oxygenation that the placenta is going to supply to the baby. So just to put it simply to you, I think the important aspects is maternal health, very important. The mother needs to make sure that, you know, her sugar is checked, her pressure, pressure is checked. It's all the routine antenatal care that we provide to these moms when they come before they deliver to make sure that, that, that she is healthy and in turn her placenta is, is healthy and in turn the baby gets everything that the baby needs. So obviously there are conditions that can affect the baby. For example, if there's not enough water in the womb, or if there's too much of water in the womb, because that's going to affect the baby's uh, ability to grow and the baby's ability to uh, uh, perform its, its gross motor skills and its, whatever skills it's meant to do in the womb. So we need to make sure that we provide the best possible environment for the baby to, to thrive and to develop uh, neurologically in the womb. There's no, there's no extra intervention that we need to do in particular if that's what the, 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 question, the, the question was focusing on, you know, to improve stimulation in the womb. But it's to make sure that if there is a problem that's going to hinder the, 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 the normal development of the baby, then we need to pick it up and we need to act on it. Inshallah. Zakala for that, uh, Doctor. Salam alaikum, Shafat, and the top pediatrician, uh, Doctor Umar. I know uh, kids uh, love him. Uh, Doc, we see physical advancement in little babies, but how is the emotional advancement matching up? Wassalam, Ismail Suleiman, Doctor. 
وعليكم السلام جزاك الله خير الله تعالى keep us Allah must keep us humble always. I think it's very important. I'm hearing a lot of praises, but we must just remember that only Allah is worthy of all praise and Allah keep us humble and keep us with the ability to make his to make his khidmat and the khidmat of the deen also and the khidmat of his of his of his of his creation. Uh, and then most importantly to keep us humble all the time. With regards to the question, I think it was matching physical development with emotional development. They both go hand in hand. Um, they're both equally important. And we often overlook the emotional needs of children. Uh, we often underestimate the emotional needs of children. And I think that is a very good point that the brother brought up because what we need to understand is that children have significant emotional needs. They need our attention. They need our love. They need our time. They need praise. They need to be felt like they are important. You know, it's all these little attributes that contribute to their, uh, to their well-being, to their normal mental development and their normal um, uh, neurodevelopment. So it's, it's the emotional aspect is very important. Yes, physical Health is very important. So taking the kids out to run, taking them out to go play soccer, taking them uh, for a walk on the beach, or whatever physical stimulation we do is also very important for the physical health of the body. But I think it's important to emphasize the emotional needs. And the one point I'm going to touch on that, which is very important, is the emotional needs of the newborn baby, which is which I find in my experience often, often overlooked and sometimes misunderstood. And what I mean by that you know, I often hear parents saying, uh, doctor, you know, the people, the old ladies in the house tell me, we mustn't hold the baby too much, we're going to spoil the baby, don't give the baby the hand. It's actually quite the opposite of that. If you look at the literature and if you study the emotional needs of a newborn baby, they actually need a lot of physical content. They need a lot of um, reassurance. Um, a lot of support, a lot of love in the form of holding them. So, you know, we think that the baby is crying because the baby is hungry, or we think the baby is crying because the baby needs a diaper change. But sometimes all the baby needs is the hand. And I, I want to emphasize to our listeners, especially in the first three months, by no means are we spoiling our babies if we're holding them, even if it's 20 hours of the day. All we're doing is, is, is meeting their the emotional requirements. They need a lot of love and a lot of attention and a lot of physical contact. In fact, you know, what's very interesting, we call it kangaroo mother care. You know, if you picture a kangaroo and how it takes its little baby and keeps mm. it in that pouch, we, we've developed a very similar concept from that, especially when we nurture our premature babies. <clears throat> so we call them, um, you know, the feeders and growers. So when you get a little premature baby, let's say born at one kilogram, you get the baby up to about 1.5, 1.6 kilograms. Once the baby's off the drip, off the oxygen, off the ventilator, just has a tube in there to help with the feeding because the baby's still too premature to feed orally. One of the aspects of care that we emphasize is we call it kangaroo mother care, or KMC. And we recommend that these mothers sit in hospitals at least 20 hours of the day with the baby 
on their chest. So we say skin-to-skin contact. So and I always emphasize to the mothers, the baby must sit inside your chest. It must be skin-to-skin contact. And it's amazing the results that science has shown with a simple measure of skin-to-skin contact. And I'll, I'll just mention a few for the sake of our listeners, for those who have babies, for those who are going to have premature babies at some point. It's very important to understand the value of skin-to-skin contact and the value of, of kangarooing these little babies. And, you know, it regulates their heart rate, it regulates their blood pressure, it improves their oxygenation, it calms the baby down, it improves their digestion, it improves their food tolerance. You must remember premature babies have a lot of problems with feeding. The tummy gets distended, they vomit, they, they, have, they have lots of complications when it comes to feeding the, the premature gut. So kangaroo mother care actually helps with, with feed tolerance. That's the term we use. It helps with the physical and the emotional and the psychological bonding with mother and baby. And, you know, surprisingly, it, you know, premature babies, those of us who've had experience with them will know what big risk factors they have for getting infection and septicemia, you know, severe life-threatening infections. That science has shown that babies that get cancer can actually have a lower risk of getting infections as well. So it's amazing, a simple thing like skin-to-skin contact with your, with your premature baby that's still growing has so many benefits. It's such a simple intervention, you know. There's no fancy technology. There's no fancy machine. There's no fancy equipment. No rocket science, but it, it's amazing. And we must thank Almighty Allah for that blessing. That's a simple measure like kids. So, you know, sometimes when I sit back and I think, you know, 100 years ago, how did premature babies survive? And these are probably the little things they did. The other important thing is regulate the baby's temperature. You don't need fancy incubators and that. The mother's body temperature is the best for the baby. So that's, that's for the pet baby, but also the newborn term baby who just comes home. Your baby sometimes just cries and invests because the baby wants you to hold him all the time, and there's nothing wrong with that. Giving your hand is not spoiling the baby. It's actually meeting the emotional needs of that baby. So, yes, the newborn baby has significant emotional needs. I mean, you know, when I do my nursery wardrobe every day, sometimes on day one, when I see the mom after I see the baby and ask her, how was the night? And she said, oh, doctor, I think the baby's getting very hungry. I don't think there's enough milk. The baby was crying the whole night. I said, no, you got enough milk. The baby just wants you to be by your side the whole night. That's what you need to do. Just put the baby on your chest and keep the baby there. You see how peaceful and happy your baby will be. So that's, that's the, the, the point. That I, was, I know it's a bit of a long point, but it's so important there to meet the emotional needs of children from the moment they are born. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think yesterday when there was a premature baby, when they didn't have incubators, maybe I'm talking about 1920s or before that, did they use a shoebox, uh, doctor? Yes, they did. They used to use a shoebox. That's correct. They used to put them in a little shoebox to keep them warm. Yeah, so we uh, know we're on to something there. Looking at this question, it says, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Marcus, uh, medical files is number one. I want to know, I see in uh, small kids uh, nowadays, they're very advanced with attitude and demands, uh, but uh, time to be helpful, respectful, and attentive, they fail. What's the reason? Noor Kaka is asking a probing question uh, about the kids of today. Yeah, that's, that's that's an important question, and it's got to do with the with the with the way we bring up our children, Noor Kaka. I think uh, 
So it, it all depends on the environment in the house. It depends on the on the amount of time and attention we give them. It depends on the way we bring them up, the values we teach them. Uh, you know, these kids nowadays are influenced a lot by external factors. And when I say that, what I mean is, you know, remember they go to, to schools where they interact with different types of people, different sorts of people. You know, life is so demanding. The children spend almost the whole day at school. The parents spend the whole day at work. So there's very little parent-child interaction. There's very little time for them to actually get that type of guidance and stimulation and, and direction from their parents. So they depend on external sources. And sometimes those sources are not the best. And sometimes they're not the, the, the most uh, Islamic sources of, 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 of um, guidance, you know. And that can, can cause our kids to drift. The other thing, and we have to mention it again, is the influence of media, especially social media. I mean, our kids of today are exposed to a significant volume of social media in their daily life. And that molds the way they think. It molds their attitudes. It molds the way they see the world. And we have very little control over that if we don't monitor what they are, they are, they are using these devices for and the amount of time they spend on it. And that, the result of that is the attitude that we see in our kids. So it's, 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 it's all got to do with the environment that we nurture in, in, in the home. Jazakallah for that. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, Marcus. Uh, best uh, station of the Ummah. Okay, Jazakallah for that. You all know me by now. I'm Nasreen Masi. Gee, Nasreen Masi, you're very popular here. Uh, she says, I'm enjoying the discussion so much with my family. It's true. The newborns uh, today can already look you in the eye. But I see a lot of children are being born autistic. Why, Doc? And why is so much uh, uh, violence and aggression that uh, we see in dealing with these uh, children in our families? Is it medical? Because some Hakim say people put eyes and jadu to affect babies like this. Doctor, hey, I say uh, Nasreen uh, Masi got us thinking, yeah? Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair, Nasreen Masi and your family for listening to our program. We must thank Brother Shafat. I have to tell all the listeners that I think he is one of the best presenters that I've ever come across. And, you know, sometimes when I tune into the radio station and I listen to him, I always feel a sense of joy and uh, interest in him. He, he always captivates his audience. You know, often on a Friday morning, I tune into uh, the radio station and I hear you, Brother Shafat, and may Allah Ta'ala continue to bless you and give, give you and your family barakah and afia and, and reward you for the good work that you do. And, and I think you need to know also how much we all enjoy the way you present the shows. It's magical. Alhamdulillah. Allah Ta'ala keep you and protect you, um, you know, so that you can continue with the good work. With regards to the question that the sister has asked, autism is very common these days. I think it's much more common than, than we ever expected it to be. And, you know, it's natural for us to wonder why. I mean, especially the more senior listeners will say, but in our days, we never had children with autism or we never heard of these things. We never had children with ADHD or hyperactive children or children with attention deficit disorders. There's many aspects to this question that we can look at to answer it. So I'll, I'll try and be as, as simple as possible. Number one is genetics plays a very big role in, 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 in the causes of almost all diseases or so many diseases. And the thing is, our understanding of, of medicine and our understanding of diseases and our understanding 
of the causes of illness has improved so much in the last 50 years, you know, and our understanding of genetics and, and the role that genetics plays in the, in the evolution of disease, so in, the, in the causation of disease, has improved tremendously. Not only do we understand how genetics causes disease, but now we're also using it to treat disease. So genetics has a significant role to play, especially in autistic children, in children with ADHD, in children with neurodevelopmental, neuropsychiatric problems. So aggression in a child, disruptive behavior in a child, we call these other conditions like you get oppositional defiant disorder. You know, you get these children who are just totally defiant. And, you know, you're like, you don't know what to do with them because they just don't listen to you. So the medical term we call it is oppositional defiant disorder. These are common disorders we see in children, conduct disorders. So the children are just unruly, they're temperamental, they're short-tempered, they're aggressive, they're violent, they're disrespectful, they damage property, they harm their parents, they harm their siblings. They're just unruly and, and they, you reach a point where you can't deal with them. So these are common neuropsychiatric problems in pediatrics that we see on a daily basis. Some of them fall under the spectrum of, of autism or autistic spectrum disorders. One of the causes of it is genetics. So genetics has a significant role to play. And we're still learning more and more about, about how genetics, uh, uh, you know, uh, result in this kind of thing. But, you know, to put it simply, a lot of it is related to genetics. Sometimes some of these disorders are caused by other insults that the baby has been through either in the womb or after birth. For example, a baby that wasn't, uh, uh, you know, the mother wasn't healthy during the pregnancy, so the mother had complications. For example, let's say the mother had severe hypertension. Remember I spoke about earlier on how important it is to make sure that the mother is healthy, so the placenta is healthy, so the baby is healthy. I'll give you a simple example. If the mother had severe hypertension, it's going to affect the placenta significantly that placenta won't be able to supply enough oxygen and nutrients to that developing baby. That, in turn, is going to result in what we call a growth-restricted baby. So the baby's brain will not grow normally. That brain will certainly be affected, and we see that on a daily basis. That baby is going to be at risk of neurodevelopmental, neuropsychiatric, and neurobehavioral problems. So in simple English, all these problems that you mentioned, you know, um, a baby that's born prematurely is also at risk of all these kind of problems. Let's say you have a baby who's three months old and then the baby has a, a meningitis. That can result in, in these kind of problems as well. So there's many reasons as to why these babies, why we are seeing so much more of it. But I think the other important aspect to, uh, to, to understand is that our, under, our understanding of these conditions have improved. You see, maybe 50, 60 years ago, the kids were just labeled as misfits, you know, or mischief children or naughty children, uh, you know, and, and, you know, they 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 send them to a, uh, a, a, you know, like a reformatory school or, you know, in those days, I remember when we were, we were mischief, my, my late uncle, uh, brother Shepard, you remember very well, but who used to jab with, you know, you would tell us, you guys don't do it, I'm just telling you guys to me some packing, you know. <laughs> I still remember that as a child. You know, so, you know, at that, those years, I think the understanding was different compared to how we understand these things now. Now we know that sometimes these children actually have psychiatric problems that are causing their behavioral abnormalities. 
and and then with 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 with, with um, come up with a, a, a spectrum of diseases that you can diagnose and you can offer a specific treatment to help the children to cope with their diseases. So it, it's a combination of, of 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 genetic causes and biomedical causes together with our ability to recognize these these problems in children, which before we we we, we couldn't do because we lacked the knowledge and the understanding. Because remember, like through the medium of radio, simple program like this, so many of us will learn, even if we learn one small thing. In the old days, people didn't have this type of of, of uh, uh, opportunities to learn. You know, this is a simple, pleasurable way of learning. Just turn on the radio and sit and listen. People didn't have access to this type of information. Teachers now are, are, are so much more wiser when it comes to to sifting out the kids that, that, that might have these problems. And then they would call up the parents and say, look, perhaps you should get a, a pediatrician or a pediatric neurologist or a neurodevelopmental specialist to assess your child. Let's see whether there's a problem. But I think there might be a problem. And then these problems get picked up and they get diagnosed, which previously the child would probably repeat the grade two, three times, get thrown out of the class, sent to the back of the class, eventually drop out of the school, and then go find a job somewhere, you know, because the child was just a dropout in school. But now our emphasis has changed. You know, it's not just about about getting the child uh, through the grade or, or, or getting the child a job somewhere if they can't cope at school, but it's about allowing each and every child the ability to reach their potential. And what's important to know is Allah Ta'ala created all of us differently, whether we are white or black, or whether we are or fat or tall or short, in same with our intellectual capacity and ability. He's given us all different abilities, but he's given us all different talents. And each and every one of us has a, has a talent which is a gift from Allah. So when we manage these children with autism or ADHD or any of the neuropsychiatric problems, we must look for the talent that they have. They have a gift. Every one of us has a gift from Allah. What we have to do with these children is look for that gift. What is the gift that this child has? So in simple words, what is this child's potential? And then we must devise a plan to allow this child to reach his or her true potential. Absolutely. And uh, you, you know, doing brilliantly this evening, uh, Doctor. And the baraka is flowing with the questions that, that are coming through uh, this evening also. Assalamu alaikum, uh, Shafat and uh, Marcus team. Our family favorite is uh, Dr. Ridwan Umar. Are children across the board advancing or just in certain families and communities? Jazakallah, Soli Muhammad. I respond to Soli Muhammad, uh, Doctor. Doctor, you referring to Dr. Muhammad? No, it's uh, Soli Muhammad that uh, sent oh, in the okay. message. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't get the, the point there, Mark. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to repeat it. It says, uh, okay, our, fam- uh, our favorite family doctor, Dr. Ridwan Umar, it says, are children across the board advancing or just in certain families and communities? Uh, what's your thoughts? Well, communities is a, is a broad spectrum. You know, it refers to, to an entire society. So, yes, the answer is children are advancing in, 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 uh, in, as a community. We definitely are advancing as a society. We definitely are advancing as a nation. In certain families, I don't think there's any specific families that we can pinpoint and say, oh, this family is advancing more than that family. But as a community, so as a whole, yes, we are certainly advancing. Look, we are going to have 
people that are going to be below average intellect. We are going to have people that are going to have learning disabilities. I see it all the time. So children with specific learning disabilities, children with reading problems, children with dyslexia, for example, children with processing problems where the brain is unable to process information properly. So obviously these children are going to be rocket scientists, you know. But that doesn't mean that as a community we are falling back. In every society, in every community, in every family, everybody is going to be of different intellect. But uh, as a whole, we certainly are advancing. I mean, we're making great strides. We're moving forward. And alhamdulillah, we, you know, today I had a, uh, I had an alim in my room that we were having a discussion and I was just explaining to him that, you know, the, the, the knowledge that we use in the practice of our profession, of our skill of medicine, is only through the permission of Allah. It is only Allah Ta'ala that gives us that knowledge that we use to, to, to save lives and to help relieve people's sickness or their anxiety or their distress or whatever problem they have. And I told, I was explaining to him that, you know, a simple thing like the immune system, the more we study it, the more we learn about it, the more we understand what a fascinating system it is. You know, you just marvel at how Allah Ta'ala has created this immune system. And then I was telling the Morana, you know, and then we must be so grateful because it is, it is, it is marvelous itself to know that how he has given us that knowledge to manipulate that immune system, to preserve life, and to save life. So it's really amazing. So yes, as a society and as a community, brother, we are really advancing. We're making great strides. But if you're going to get everybody who has different levels of, of, of potential and, and, and everybody will be able to contribute to society in a different way. That's the important thing to realize. And I think it's important to know that we should never look down upon anybody because everybody is, is special Everybody is a gift from Allah, and in everybody's eyes, their children is the, is the best blessing to them, you know. So we we'll never look down on any, anybody's child. Even child has a reading problem, or the child has, you know, we see a lot of kids, I see a lot of children with what we call auditory processing problems, or visual processing problems, or perceptual processing problems. Simple English, for example, if the teacher gives the child an instruction, the child hears the instruction, it goes through the ears, it enters the brain, but then it gets lost somewhere in the brain. And then, you know, the, 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 the child doesn't carry out the instruction. So we call that an, an auditory processing problem. You know, the, the instruction is received in the brain, but gets lost somewhere. And then the, the, the brain is unable to execute the task. So if the teacher says, pick up your pencil, the child heard the instruction, but that instruction got lost in the brain, and then the child doesn't pick up the pencil. So the child is not being defiant. The child is not being disobedient. The child is not being disrespectful. This child has a processing problem. So we need to identify these things because we can help these children. You know, there's therapy that we can do that, that helps them with these problems. So uh, it doesn't mean that this child is, 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 is falling behind or the child is disadvantaged in any particular way because these children can be uh, helped to reach their true potential. And there's no particular family in any way that's advancing over another family, um, in my opinion, anyway. No, you're absolutely right. And each one is special. Each one that is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a masterpiece of the Creator.
Yes, Alhamdulillah, and I love uh, the way you say it to doctor. Uh, we've got about a minute and a half to go, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to push this question through. It says, Assalamu alaikum, awesome content. We all intrigued uh, while sipping hot chocolate. I want to know how does the freezing cold impact on babies and how must we care for them in winter? Uh, Safi Masi, your response uh, to Safi Masi, doctor? Jazakallah khair. I think that's a good way to end the the hot topic that we had yeah. or the hot question with <laughs> the hot chocolate. But uh, I think it's very important to know that we mustn't overdress our babies. And I see that all the time. And, you know, people wonder why in midwinter I'm telling them the baby has a heat rash. The, the short and sweet to that is a baby just needs a baby grow and a receiving blanket. That is all a newborn baby needs to be covered with. What's very important is the environmental temperature. So the environmental temperature for a newborn baby should be, I'm talking about the newborn, so the day you come home from the hospital with the newborn, 24 degrees centigrade is very comfortable for the baby. We don't need to put, you know, we find a baby with three baby grows and two blankets and uh, hats and two masks and three mittens and like, the baby is overdressed. When you actually expose everything and open everything up, the baby is sweating inside. So it's important to know that even if it's midwinter, the important thing is keep the room warm. Keep the room at 24 degrees. Just keep the baby in a baby crew and a receiving blanket. That's all the baby needs. And that will be fine. Baby will be very comfortable. Otherwise, they get a lot of these heat rashes. They sweat a lot. And then the sweating causes a lot of moisture on the skin. That can sometimes predispose them to fungal infections. These things I see every day. That's why I said it's such a good question because it's something that I see on a daily basis. So just keep your baby in a baby grow, receiving blanket, and keep the room warm. That's the important thing. Jazakallah. Jazakallah, Dr. Absolutely brilliant evening in your company. I feel like keeping you for another two hours, but, you know, as we know, uh, programming, you know, totals us. But, Alhamdulillah, perhaps your parting words before I let you go. Jazakallah khair to you, Brother Shafat. I, I always enjoy talking to you. I always enjoy the interaction with our listeners. Um, we must praise and thank Almighty Allah for His blessings on us. I think we must uh, we must advance as an ummah. We must be there for each other to educate, to enlighten, to help each other, and we must continue to make dua for each other. May Allah Taala forgive all of us, guide us, and grant us the best of dunya, kabar, and akhirat. Amin. Amin, Asuma, Amin, and a special uh, dua for Imad's uh, recovery. Inshallah, Allah make it easy for them and uh, all those that are not well. Allah give them a shifa. Inshallah, Doctor Ridwan Umar, we'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.